You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. It is such a pleasure to be joined today by, well, a very clever lady, someone that you should get to know a little bit more. You may have heard her on the Bride Chiller podcast, and also she is a very special guest, a weekly guest on our other podcast, Significant Other, Dr. Lindsay Beer. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It is absolutely my pleasure. And when I go, welcome back to the program, it makes me sound like I'm doing some sort of highfalutin, uh, very intellectual show. Well, you kind of are. There's all such good topics to talk about in terms of wedding prep and relationships. It's all so good. Well, you know what? When we had you on uh, the show before, you did two episodes and they were some of the most talked about popular episodes I've ever produced. And look, just wow. to remind people, it was so great. And I think you know what it is that I have, people have sort of said, oh, Alicia, you, you talk about lots of different wedding things, but you're not talking about wedding preparation as much. I'm trying to expand the horizons a little bit when it comes to not just planning an actual event. It's like planning a successful relationship for me. So having you on the show and talking about the anxiety and stress and trying to have forethought in your emotional well-being was so valuable for, I know, so many of my listeners. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for having me. As a clinical psychologist, I'm very passionate about helping people think in these ways because I think sometimes we can just push emotions underneath the rug, not pay attention to them, or even worse, judge ourselves for them. And getting married is a huge life event. It's actually one of the biggest, probably the biggest party you'll plan. And there's a lot of stressors that come with that. And we need to take a look at how that's affecting us and how we respond. I love that you just said, you know, we we push emotions down because I think that's obviously a huge coping mechanism for people. But also it's one of those times where I think it's really valuable to reflect on the emotions that you're feeling and to be able to process them. But for many people, that's either too challenging or they've never had that sort of situation occur So I think it's really good today to have this conversation and and really talk about how to process these emotions, but also how to bring your partner into it, especially when it comes to counseling and coaching and finding a way to have conversations that need to be had. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the whole point of wedding, getting married is to grow together. And that's what we hope for, for the rest of our lives. If we choose a partner is to grow together. And there's a lot of things that get in our path to doing that and get in the way and pull us off track, separate things, right? Cause we've got two people in this union and we need to figure out how to set ourselves up well for that. So in the middle of the pan- planning, wedding planning process, there's a lot of stressors that are coming up that can cause conflict in between you and your partner. And then there's also ways that you can come together before that, that helps set the groundwork for responding to conflict well moving forward. Do you think when it comes to people getting engaged and making this commitment, I mean, I've had a lot of people sort of write to me at very different stages of their life. I've got listeners who are 21 and listeners who have, you know, I'm 50 plus. I love hearing about the really broad demographics of of, um, followers that I have. But do you think that a lot of people actually focus more on the engagement and the ring and the 
planning of a wedding than the actual emotional commitment that they are choosing to make in this situation? Sometimes. I think the commercial side of things really tries to push for that. Um, focusing on the magic piece and all of the things that you need to have in place, right? From the ring to the perfect proposal to now starting a year of planning where you make sure that the stationery matches the envelope and all of the details that truly pull us away from the intention behind the action. And that's love, that's union between you and your partner, that's celebrating this with your very closest loved ones in a way that it's going to help support you and build you up in that union. It's very easy to get distracted from it. It's sort of weird when you just said that. I sort of thought it's almost sort of sadistic in the way that we <laughs> we do. <laughs> sadistic from a consumerist point of view. And this is, I know that the wedding industry has evolved in the last, I would say, 20 years. Maybe it's been quicker than that because I love talking with, uh, when I go to wedding shows and I take my microphone along and I talk to the mother-in-laws and the mothers and I sort of say, was this what it was like for you? And they're always like, oh, no, forget it, never like that. And, you know, it was a completely different scenario. But now we've developed this, this industry's sort of appeared out of nowhere where there's so much pressure to buy stuff. And as you said, to have this quote-unquote perfect day, dream wedding, it's very manipulative uh, uh, from the get-go. Yes, absolutely. And and when you look at Instagram, you know, and all of these mediums that are portraying the perfect thing, it, it creates this idea for us. And the truth is nothing is going to quite reach that. And we spend all our time striving for it and still not being happy with the outcome. And often I think I go back to some of the highlights of my life, the best moments. They're the moments that have been off the cuff. I haven't had great makeup. I haven't been wearing the most amazing clothes. You know, these are the moments that you remember and you just go, well, they're not planned. They're not perfect. They're just, they're just fabulous because they happen that way. Exactly. And the whole wedding process promotes that planning, planning for the perfect event. And in reality, in doing so, we actually miss those moments that might be greater cherished if we're just open to what they're truly representing. So, you know, a lot of times we're so focused on going down that path, the perfect path that we're missing those cues of things that we should really pay attention to. Or we're trying to fit people in certain roles or boxes so that we can check that off and that means it's going well when maybe we just truly need to be open to the experience yeah and and the idea that as you just said about putting people in roles I think part of the problem is a lot of the people don't know they've been allocated that specific role and that's when shit goes down yeah, that's right. When somebody's not understanding maybe what you're expecting from them. And, you know, our last couple of episode, episodes, we talked a lot about communication and setting boundaries and expectations and dealing with the stress. And I think that that all relates to kind of helping somebody understand that the role that they're expected to have so that they can act accordingly and then everything goes more smoothly. Yeah, it's very simple to say, why aren't you acting this way? When you go, well, you never told me. How am I supposed to know what you want me to do? And That's I think right. parents, parents especially get all, they get a lot of, they get put in the shit a lot because they're like, well, I didn't know that you wanted me to uh, be this supportive in this way. And, and, you know, I think we can act a certain way to our parents because we can get away with more stuff. But it also could be incredibly hurtful and cause dramas that don't necessarily need to be there. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I think it also is important to note 
how hard it is to truly communicate what we want <laughs> because mm. half the time we're not sure and then the rest of the time we don't know how to communicate that in a way that's healthy so this even comes back to our partner you know how do we help them understand what we most need out of this situation or circumstance um, so that they can meet that in a way that's going to be healthy for us and the relationship as a whole you can you said before about the idea that you know we get so wrapped up in all the actual planning stuff and i feel like this is a really obvious statement but the wedding industry is very skewed towards femininity and women and our dream and we sort of block out a lot of the time of what the guy wants and this is in same sex couples as well i don't want people to think this is me just being uh, all about straighty 180s but the idea that we are pressured as females to have these sort of expectations as well that we know not we might not actually have um i find that really a bit overwhelming i know a lot of my listeners are in the position where they've sort of gotten engaged and said oh i know i'm meant to feel this way which i i also think is really damaging for a lot of people Yes, definitely. And that goes back to whether it's the way that you're planning the wedding or the expectations of feelings that you think you're supposed to have. It's all these expectations. And I've met a lot of people who say, yeah, I'm just going to be real casual about this. I'm not caring much about the details. And once you get started in the commercially driven wedding process, you realize you do have to incorporate that sometimes. And it changes your perspective. And you're kind of pushed into the commercial wedding industry um, of certain ways of doing that. So it's good. You can still be in that process while staying in touch with your own values to making make sure you're doing things in a way that's going to make you ultimately happy and be fair and loving and wonderful to all your guests and family. And then the other side of that that I think is important that you mentioned is what feelings are you going to have as this is going through? Like I mentioned, getting married and planning this is one of the most stressful things that you can do. And whenever we're stressed, we respond in ways that we don't expect and that sometimes don't make sense to us because our nervous system is a little bit more geared up. And maybe our emotions are a little bit harder to access or maybe they're on the surface and coming out more than we planned. You do a lot of couples counseling uh, and I'm look fascinated and I think we just really need to be doing a lot more talking about uh I was gonna say a lot more talking about ourselves but a lot more talking about our relationships and our expectations and our feelings as a couple but my question I want to talk a lot about that I think it's very important but my first question Lindsay is when people get engaged I sometimes feel like they think oh we're getting married now all our problems are that's on the back burner. All our problems are gone. We're engaged. We're committed. Everything's going to be cool. Do you see that a lot with your clients coming in, feeling like you know, an, a ring on the finger is a way to just put everything to bed and, and forget about it? Yes. So I see that with couples. I see that with individuals. These life events that we choose or this marker, right? The mm -hmm. ring is I've chosen you. And there's so much belief and expectations about that symbol that we have a rush of excitement, right? And we're on cloud nine for a period of time. And it becomes very upsetting and concerning when that starts to dissolve a little bit and things return to normal. Mm -hmm. It's interesting when we look at life events and reactions to them. So if we compare, there's been a little bit of research on this, somebody who wins the lottery, 
right? They are ecstatic, happy, there's a huge increase in emotion, but that's actually going to come down over time and they'll likely return to their baseline mood state, probably with just a little bit more money, right? Or a lot of it, depends on what kind of lottery. Um, Similarly, with somebody who's been in an accident and has become paralyzed, their mood state is going to take a dip, a hit. It's going to go down. Now, over time, what's interesting is they also return back to baseline if there's not a greater, you know, mood mood disorder in there. But most people return to baseline after an event. We have our natural emotion of excitement or sadness, whatever triggered it, but we return to baseline. And I think sometimes we expect certain things to fix all of our problems. So we we think that if we've just gotten engaged and that means we're going to be together and everything's going to be fine. Um, we're not acknowledging that probably after all the excitement settles down, here we are, right? That old adage, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> so wherever we take ourselves <laughs> in lives, whatever in our life, whatever we choose to do, we're still going to be faced with some of the same problems that happens and the stress. And then it's our choice of how we can best manage that. Do you think then when, and this is the hard thing, I think with the idea behind these sort of hyped up proposals where it's all about big elaborate events and photographers. I mean, I'm just blown away. Every time I sort of see these proposals being put on Instagram and stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, they organized this. They haven't even even got to the wedding yet. But do you think that the the showier and the bigger the proposal and the engagement, uh, (laughs) well, the fact that this is a terrible generalization, but (laughs) the fact that people aren't necessarily focusing on going, just talking about the commitment they're making. There seems to be a lot of puff and, stuff happening and not necessarily talking about something genuine and authentic and small and personal. Yeah. And you know me, I always like to go back to the question why to get at the intention behind the action. So my question is, you know, why is somebody doing that? Is it because they're truly wanting to mark this with something grand and amazing because they love this person so much Or are they trying to get followers and get fame in a certain way? And maybe both things are true, right? We live in a world where there are benefits from having followers and likes and all of this stuff, especially if your career is related to that or if it's going to serve you in some other way. But it's always important to ask yourself why you're doing something. On the other side of that... What happens to us when we see those things on the internet? The grandest proposal that we've ever seen, how does that make us feel about our proposal or something else that our partner's done or our life in general? It brings up a lot of reflections, maybe insecurities and comparisons that might not be healthy to make. Oh my God, every day we look at this stuff and we absorb it and you think, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not, you know, this is, or I don't have that much money. I think social media as wonderful it is, and I participate in it actively, but also I find it personally really hard to, you know, we we talk about Insignificant Other, we've, we've just been doing some recording for that, and it just brought to my mind, you will hear this episode soon, but we're talking about jealousy, and you, I see other people achieving, and I'm like, oh, I wish I was, I should be doing better, I should be, I should be achieving, I should have hundreds of thousands of followers. It's really hard when you're observing all this stuff to just shut it down, and and not feel that affected by it. 
Yeah, it really is. And, you know, our parents and grandparents grew up with the saying of keeping up with the Joneses, right? The next door neighbors who always did everything perfect. Well, their exposure was people in their neighborhood. Our exposure is hundreds of thousands of people on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, Snapchat, you name it, right? All these Mm. mediums that we're exposed to the entire world. And with that comes a lot more levels of one-ups. And we have to be aware of when we're getting caught up in that race and when we should just really focus on what means the most to us with what we're doing at this very time, our experience and goals. I think some days just turn it off. It's just got to be easier. Maybe, you know, or take it off the phone and just say, today I'm going to read my Kindle on the bus or I'm not going to watch, you know, not going to flick through 4,000 Instagram photos and feel bad about myself. If Mm -hmm. that's how they make you feel, I suppose. Right. And, you know, when we discussed jealousy on um, the Significant Other podcast, I'm really excited about that episode we talked about what's behind it and it's usually feeling scared and also feeling angry, scared that something's being taken away from you and angry that you're being wronged in some way. And I think understanding that it's important when we have that rise up. So whether you see somebody's Instagram account with more followers or somebody with this grand proposal that upped yours in all these ways, and you have that uprising of jealousy, asking yourself, okay, what am I scared that's being taken away from me? Because usually that's unrealistic right they that thing can actually not take anything away from you and then two how am I angry about something being done wrong to me is that accurate is that realistic and usually we realize how that's faulty and we can then adjust our thinking to be more balanced realistic and helpful because then we don't have those emotions that can get us down Dr. Lindsay Beerer is uh, a legend. Let's just say that. She's also a clinical health psychologist. She uh, does some amazing work in couples therapy, mindfulness, and we are very happy to have her on as a weekly guest on our couples uh, relationship, I should be figuring out how to say this better, podcast hosted by Rich and I called Significant Other. And uh, after the break, Lindsay, I'd like to talk with you about couples therapy and how we can ready ourselves for marriage. And it doesn't necessarily mean having to go and see a pastor or a priest or someone that you don't connect with. There's lots of different options. Absolutely. All right. More after this. Dr. Lindsay, when we talk about preparing, I don't know why I said preparing in a weird way, preparing ourselves for marriage, a lot of people neglect this part of the preparations they focus a lot on chair covers which you know i fucking hate but uh just little details but then actually during this stressful period neglect sitting with their partner and talking about goals and expectations of the next 50 years what do you observe when when you have couples come and speak with you and 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 learn with you and share what are some of the more common problems that that are being voiced uh in your sessions Yeah, that's a great question. Disconnection is a really big one. So Mm. disconnection and misunderstanding of each other's needs or the mismatch of trying to meet those needs and what the need actually is. So communication is another big piece in there. Conflict resolution. You know, a lot of times when people in a couple partnership 
polarize, it's because there's a disagreement, a conflict, and the way that each responds to it just pushes the other away. And so before you know it, you're so polarized on each end that you can't possibly hear what each other, what the other person is saying and truly understand that to come back forward. So when I do couples work, couples therapy specifically, it's more focused on somebody's already divided and there's some major issues there and we've got to figure out how to work to get people back towards the middle. So I teach skills, we talk about that. The other side of it is, and I always like to talk about the difference between coaching and therapy because there's a big difference here and it matters a lot. So therapy, you have to see a therapist within your state line. So that's the rules, that's what has to happen. Coaching is a little bit looser. It's much less regulated. I don't even think it is regulated, but it's a chance where you can see anybody around the world to work on skill building and to make your current state match your future goals. So lessening that distance between those two things. So through coaching, you know, what I, what I help a lot of people with is simply gaining those skills, those back pocket tools. Like I always like to talk about what can we keep in our back pocket to help a situation whenever it comes up. So helping people learn some of those skills so that they can use it in times of need. That's communication. That's conflict resolution. That's understanding how that polarization happens. And these are really important things to learn about while you're engaged with somebody. If we also look at the past, I mentioned the neighbors, right? With our parents and grandparents. But what is an engagement period truly supposed to represent? It's almost like a tester period and a preparation. If we think about you know, pregnancy, we, we get pregnant with a child, there's nine months that we have to prepare for the nest for that child and to understand what it means to be a parent and to learn these skills that we need to have so that that child can thrive and be kept alive. The engagement period is the same thing. When that ring is given and you're asking somebody to be with you, historically, that engagement period is a tester period. Okay, we've chosen each other. We're exclusive. Let's give this a buffer zone and then take that real plunge, that commitment. But what I'm seeing now is because of the commercial side of things and the pressure that we have to make everything quote perfect, we're missing out on some of that. And that's laying the groundwork for problems when marriage actually happens and all the sprinkles and the glitter of the actual events start to fall. And that to me is like the most important thing. I think if anyone gets anything from my podcasts uh, is the idea that you have to nurture relationships and they're, they're alive and, and needing help all the time. They're like a little Tamagotchi. You've got to feed them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Tamagotchis. <laughs> <laughs> don't let yeah. them die. But it is silly in a sense that we don't focus on this enough. And, and But also it's it's probably obvious, and this is not me being anti-consumerist. I like to buy stuff and I like pretty stuff as much as anyone else. But I suppose it's easier for companies and magazines and advertising to, to sell you shit rather than make you actually look inside and go, what do I need? What are my emotional needs? Rather than I'll buy this thing, it'll make me happy. Right. And you know, it's important to think about why do we go to school and get education? It's so that we can learn to do certain things that are going to serve us well. Why do you buy the wedding magazines and all this stuff to understand the process? It's so that you can understand the process and learn what you need to do to get to the outcome. And what we ignore a lot of times in our life is more of the self-growth piece. Um, you know, a lot of people are just really good at self-reflection and finding new ways of being. 
but even still, we're all, we all have the responsibility to reflect a little bit more and understand how we can be better to best serve ourselves, our partner, and the relationship as a whole for long-term gain and to set things up really well. What are some of the questions that you would ask when a couple first come to you uh, for the couple's uh Therapy, well, not therapy. We're talking about the couple's counselling, the coaching. Coaching. What is, yeah. What are some of the the main sort of questions that you would hit people with straight away? Well, I always like to do a values assessment. So I do this a lot with people, whether they're planning for a big event, whether they're having straightforward conflict with another person in their life, or whether maybe they're just feeling a little bit lost in life, like not knowing what path to take. Getting in touch with your values is super important. And this isn't just like, I value family, I value partner, I value spirituality. It's breaking that down into what that actually means. So what does that look like? What do you value in a partner? What kind of love actions do you value? How does your partner best communicate love to you? Often there's a divide with that. So if somebody, there's, you can look up five love languages. I always suggest that people take that to understand themselves and their partner. But if my love is best communicated by acts of service, if my partner takes out the trash, maybe that means the most to me about his love for me. But if his love is more words of affirmation, then he needs to hear, I love you, you mean so much, you're my one and only. But maybe I try to do the acts of service to show that because that's my love language. So we have this mismatch that can create some real problems. So understanding those values and what you need as an individual within the relationship is really important singularly just for one individual. And then there becomes the couple piece too. So to get your partner to also understand those same things and then come together to practice those new ways of being. Uh, that's interesting you say about love language. And Rich and I were having a discussion the other night about um, our parents saying, I love you to us. And I had come from uh, a, my parents divorced, but they both were, and they're probably unconventional parents, probably not like conventionally great, not great parents in the sense that they sort of set me free to do whatever the hell I wanted to do when I would have probably loved a bit more, you know, I don't know, functional parenting. However... <laughs> They were very good at going, I love you, I love you. And on the phone, even though my dad is miles away and I talk to him once only every couple of week, weeks, it's always like, I love you, bye. And then Rich said the other day, oh, we never really said that very much in our family. And it sort of threw me because Rich tells me he loves me all the time. But it is that idea that we come from very different situations. And it doesn't mean that his parents don't love him. It's just not a language that they use very often. I love thinking about this stuff because everyone's come from those different beginnings and different, uh, I suppose, ways of communicating love or not. Well, I'm sure you see that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And with that understanding becomes less conflict, right? So a lot of times we slap a meaning onto something when that might actually not be accurate. So if our partner isn't saying, I love you as much, we might think that that means they don't or they're not making the effort to 
communicate it and show us that they care, which is going to lead to anger and resentment within us. And they might not even understand why it doesn't come as natural to them to say it. Like sometimes we just don't know why we feel a certain way. So to talk about, okay, what happened whenever you were growing up? What are your models of love and relationship can really help you understand yourself and then also understand your partner and figure out how to better match that need. We can't deny that we are shaped by our primary caregivers when we were growing up, other people in our life, and you know, lots of other factors that may influence how we approach a relationship. And the other side of that is things come out more and more over time. So once that glitter settles, right, and and once we've been together with somebody for a long time and we're both more open to letting the monster side of ourself rear its ugly head, <laughs> these become more of issues that we need to not just divide upon, but we need to understand and grow together. How do you do that then? Is it a matter of doing regular sessions with, uh, with a coach or is it about having a discussion within yourself, what's the point where you go, we need to bring in a third party? Or should we all be bringing in a third party right now? Yeah, well, I think... I think we could all benefit from it, right? So it does take effort. One more appointment, you know, uh, another expense. So it does take that effort. And that's why a lot of people just don't do it. There's also stigmas and biases that that become barriers to seeking that kind of service. But I think every single person on this earth, even me, psychologists, right? (laughs) People who are an expertise, have expertise in this area can benefit from it. And that's why I think it's so cool to reflect on this and to constantly try to figure out, okay, how can I be better with this conflict or within this relationship? So, you know, when is the point where you decide that? I think it's a great idea for anybody starting a very serious relationship, whether it's coming up to engagement, whether it's being engaged or newly married, we want to set the groundwork. Um, Coaching is really important for this type of area. So preparing for the future, right? Now, therapy, more if you if you have that polarization process, if there's more issues there that you think really need to be dug into, that's where it might be good to take that step as well. And also, I suppose the idea that by communicating that with your partner and saying, let's go for this and let's have a crack at, you know, going and speaking with uh, this, this third party that's not your friends, not someone that knows your back history from, I suppose, biased point of views with you going, I don't know if he likes me. Oh, maybe he does. I don't know if he's ready for commitment, whatever. You know, all the other shit that your friends seem to like hold on to. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a good thing to just take a step out of that comfortable circle of everyone having opinions and just going and having that sort of neutral experience, I suppose. Definitely. And, you know, a lot of times we have friends who love us very much, but they have their own stuff that's either preventing them from fully being there for us or they really want to just make things better. So a lot a lot of times our friends tend to smooth things over. We have a concern, they say, oh, it'll be okay, or oh, just try this. They try to problem solve, and it doesn't actually get at helping us with the situation. And that's why seeking somebody who is trained in these areas and who you know, says that that's their expertise and you want to look at their training and make sure it's solid, but somebody who's very much oriented to helping in that kind of way helps. We wouldn't see a doctor 
neighbor who's, you know, our friend, just somebody random. We seek somebody with the credentials and the focus. We don't want other stuff to be introduced when it comes to stuff like this. So from our perspective, I think we unload a lot of our relationship shit on friends and family. So I think when we think about going to see a professional, like a third party, non related person that doesn't know all your back history that's got to be a really positive experience because you're not taking along all the baggage that friends hold with them absolutely and our friends are very supportive we've got wonderful people in our life but they've got a lot of other things that might be pulling them away from really helping us with the situation that we have and also sometimes our friends just want to smooth things over so they just want us to feel better it hurts them to know that we're hurting so they try to do that quick fix or just that supportive statement of oh it'll be all it'll be fine just time will tell or whatever it is and so sometimes friends give really great advice but still We really want to seek services given by people who have an expertise in that area. I think that's really important. When we go see a medical professional, we want to know they have a proper training to offer a certain service and that they're focused solely on our issue at hand. And that's what something like coaching can provide, therapy provides. You're going to see somebody who's going to be completely focused on what you're bringing to the table and also has the training and expertise to truly help you out with that issue without introducing their own stuff. And I love the idea that you can go along there, you can set yourself up in a positive way, you can unload some of your, I don't know, it's not all about problems. I I like the idea that you can unload your expectations and goals and get someone to sort of I don't know, be like a, almost like an umpire. I know you're not an umpire by the way, (laughs) but yeah, but to say, okay, this is, yeah, work on that or no, or what do you think? Right. (laughs) To identify some of those patterns that might be truly tripping you up or causing you more problems. And a lot of times the very way that we act to prevent something from happening is the thing that promotes it to happen. So Mm. there's a lot of counterintuitive or paradox situations when it comes to our complex interpersonal relationships because they are just that so very complex. And we need that umpire, that third person to come in and watch what's happening and to hear the issues and to really kind of figure out how to unravel that and also so many people uh, and I know we're talking about this in significant other as well but so many people and couples have the same fight over and over again and it's just painted with a different topic but really either it's about money or it's about their friends or going out too much I mean we repeat the same habits over and over again Mm -hmm. And it's important to boil that down to a theme and to really look at that pattern. And you know, I, I always ask the question, what does it mean to you or why? So we're having this surface level fight that's actually representing something underneath. And that's the thing that we need to pay attention to. And that's, that's where a third person really comes in to help. And sometimes we don't want our friends to know this side of our relationship. We don't want to burden them. Everybody has everything else going on in their life. There's big reasons why not to just rely on friends and we need to give the emotional side of things the personal relationship side of things the attention that it deserves yeah i think this week if you are planning to do wedding planning which i'm sure a lot of you are maybe just take half an hour to have a discussion with your partner about pursuing some of the coaching and i think well look Lindsay, hello just you could talk to Lindsay. this is a very good idea yeah (laughs) i've got a good person for you guys 
That's right. Here I am. So yeah, you know, I do a free consultation to just kind of talk about, okay, what's the issue and how might I be able to help? And then we could set up a coaching session from there. And that's either individually, right? So talking about the issues and how you can contribute or change or whatever it is, solve the problem individually. And then also I offer the couples as well. I think it's such a great thing to do. And, you know, Rich and I, when we're doing Significant Other, it's been really good, I think, for our relationship. We've been talking a lot of stuff that we haven't talked about before or haven't talked about in depth. It just is so helpful. Already, look, I'm not saying everyone go and do a podcast because no one has the time, but it is just good to be able to bring things to light and, and also focus on what you both want to be doing together emotionally, goal-wise, future-wise, it's great. And I think you should be uh, given 10 gold medals, Dr. Lindsay Beerer. Well, thank you. And you too, Alicia, because every one of your episodes focuses on a specific piece of this whole process that people are dealing with and deserve that attention to really think about and reflect to see how we can fit it in our lives better. And I'm just so thankful to be here and talk about the emotion, the stress side of things coming together as a couple, because that's so important to this process. I couldn't agree more, and I'm so happy that we get to hang out every week together. It's just so I know. (laughs) Me too. It's great. You actually, and you look, you you give us legit, like legit cred, so we're very (laughs) grateful. You guys already have the cred. Great great topics, and I love exploring them together. We've had so much fun already, and there's so much more to come. So if you want to visit, uh, if you want to listen, just just search Significant Other, you'll be able to hear our other podcast. And uh, if you would like to contact Dr. Lindsay Beer, I'm very good at saying this now. (laughs) Rolls right off the tongue. (laughs) I know. It's like it's better than my, my, like learning about my, my web addresses. Dr. Lindsay Beerer, it's uh, Lindsay with an, it's, well, you can spell it as your name, Lindsay. I'm sorry, yes. taking over. Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, B-I-R-A dot com, Dr. Lindsay Beerer dot com. And there's lots of great, uh, where you can download lots of great audio, um, well, courses that Lindsay have done, has done on mindfulness, which I think is particularly helpful um, for all of us out there. Thank you so much again for coming on the show, Lindsay, and uh, can't wait to talk with you weekly on the other podcast. It's what we're going to call the other podcast, Significant Other. That's right. Thank you so much. Happy days.